You got anything funny to say? What's better than bacon? What? More bacon. And what? more barrel? Well, no, I was going to say, but what's better than more bacon? More bacon and bourbon. Yes. Or whiskey. There's some whiskey out there. There is some whiskey out there. There's some great stuff. Let's start the show. Everyone, my name is John Edwards, and with me is Zeke Baker, and together we make the Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. Say hello to the folks, Zeke Baker. It's hard to speak right now. My gut's pretty full. I know. I had to unbutton my pants. I'm sitting back here in the barn at... Where is that we? what the smell is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am back here at the Green Door Gourmet. And we are in the back of the barn is where they put us. I think they were afraid to let us out there with the people. Well, at the same time, we are in air conditioning and 75% of the people are not. So I'm not going to complain there. No, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying they know us. This is more than one event that we have done with events hatched. And they know by now that we are much better when you keep us away from the people. Well, plus... I mean, I don't, you know, know what our editor does per se. <laughs> Sometimes I think it's a whole lot of nothing. But at the same time, I got to feel like this has got to be easier for, for that person to edit, you know, when the time comes than being stuck in the masses with even more background noise. Whole lot of nothing, my ass. Uh, <laughs> that says that, the person who just shows up and drinks and goes home. Hey, but I got a good smile and voice. You you do have a very good smile and voice. There's so much good food. I can't even begin to talk about all the good food that's here. We're going to go back and we'll probably re-record this open a little bit later. Ah, I like it raw and off the cuff. You like it raw and off? Well, that's I mean, how we got kids. There's people that are coming to talk to us, and I don't want to make them wait too long. That was a good one, by the way. <laughs> um but I do just have to say there's so much good food that's here. Before we get into the meat of everything, see what I did there? Hey, we're, we're at a live event. We are let, at a live event. Let's go live and let everybody uh, see what they're missing out on. Before we get into the meat of everything, I want to let everyone know that we are sponsored by CastCartel.com, changing the industry standard in the alcohol industry. They are like the Amazon of the spirits industry. Go ahead and go to Cast Cartel. They are going to get you together with merchants that are going to make it easy for you to get alcohol shipped directly to your door. Zeke uses them late night. He's got them on the late night trip. Text them up. It's like uh, Drake used to call me on the cell phone. He calls Cast Cartel. He gets liquor shipped directly <laughs> to his house. Go ahead and visit castcartel.com. Follow them on Instagram, and they might even send you out some samples. Also want to let you know that all of our glassware is provided by distilleryproducts.com. Once a closely guarded secret, all of the distilleries will tell you that they use distilleryproducts.com for all their laser etching, whether it is Glencairn's, the, the Tua glasses, whether it is a, an etched decanter, all sorts of stuff at wholesale prices. They are some of the best people to work with. If you're a bourbon group, 
or if you are a distillery and you haven't gotten in touch with distilleryproducts.com yet, please reach out to me. I am happy to get you in touch with them. Go ahead and visit them at distilleryproducts.com and find out for yourself. A celebrity just showed up. Roy just left. A celebrity just showed up. Nashville Bourbon Enjoyment. Tim, fresh off of his big win from Bardstown Bourbon Company for tickets to Bourbon and Beyond. You just went up there. Now your your beautiful, wonderful wife, Lisa, is sitting next to you. Right, right. She let you go away for a weekend. I know, a, a long weekend. A very long weekend. I don't know, like, what did you do when you got back for her? So before I leave... It starts with a lot of cupcakes, and when I come back, there's a lot of wine bottles involved. Did you leave, like, a gift certificate for a massage or a mani-pedi? Well, have, or you, have you seen her nails? Both, I, the, both the hands and feet look good, right? She's saying oh, she that, got a facial, too, yeah. She's saying her pores feel a little packed up, and, and <laughs> she needs a facial. No, no, no. She got one before I left, believe me. Tell me about Bourbon and Beyond. What'd you do when you went up there? Because that sounds like an awesome experience yeah i mean the lineup was amazing uh bardstown bourbon came through and got us tickets i met with my best friend from high school and we got in there and they had a um a cool little tent set up side stage and like fred minnick had his whole little sidebar thing there and they had air conditioned whatever you wanted um air conditioned bathrooms Foo Fighters played, John Fogarty played. I mean, Foo Fighters like, played down here too. I didn't have to drive all the way up to Kentucky. <laughs> like, hey man, Lisa, Lisa was down there watching Foo Fighters and Franklin. When they, when they are when they are openly just pouring Bardstown in any cup you want, and you get to watch the Foo Fighters for free, it's worth a trip to Louisville. I would be more impressed by the Credence, dude. He was amazing. Hence, I said him second. He, the Foo Fighters were the headliner that night, but in my mind, it was Fogarty. I heard Fogarty was great. Dude, he was unbelievable. And he like brought his son out. It was cool. He like Wait, he brought his fortunate son out? His fortunate son. Yeah. He, you see what I did there, Zeke? That's not even funny. Play on CCR. It is a play on CCR. Well, I know what the song is. I'm just saying. <laughs> what if the kid was like challenged or something? That why you gotta go there? Well, I'm just saying. If if he brought him out, I, I don't think he unless he was like bringing him out. As inspirational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. He played. It was pretty cool. So he was your favorite? I think Fogarty was. It's well, it's a... Um, so Flaming Lips played that on Friday, too. And they always, like, they they invented showmanship. They just, like, confetti everywhere. The, the lead singer gets inside a big ball and rides the crowd and stuff like that. But whenever you cut all that stuff aside and just look at musical talent and the actual like art of playing Fogarty's unbelievable oh man I feel like that's reminiscent of our podcast right right, right. I, like John brings all this showmanship but like when it really comes down to the talent we have Zeke, right. Zeke bigger exactly right there people right there <laughs> So, Tim, it was great having you on. Uh, go ahead and find him at Nashville Bourbon Enjoyment on Instagram. And, uh, yeah. Good to see you guys. I, I, I'm very interested. I want Zeke to edit the show once. Oh, it'd be amazing. Oh. 
Yeah, I'm sure it would sound great. It would sound listenable. It's like it's like three minutes of Jeff Zeke. <laughs> no, it's not <laughs> even that. His, his little one-liners, and then like that's it. The end. Of the show ends. There wouldn't be a show. I would like re-record something of just me for 90 <laughs> seconds and say, "Peace, we're out, people. Thanks." I just w- want it to be listenable. I don't right. know how Zeke could even get the levels right <laughs> and get the background they noise out here. I always give credit to our editing department. I just don't know who they are. Yes. It's the guy who's up till two in the morning most <laughs> nights doing it. But what was your favorite thing you drank at Bourbon and Beyond? And I know Bardstown Bourbon Company gave you the ticket, so yeah, don't yeah, yeah. feel obligated to say Bardstown. Yeah, Bourbon no, not by any means. I had I'd actually never had uh, Old Forester nineteen ten, and I did the tour there, and the tour was incredible. I've I've done on so you know several distillery tours, but like Old Forester has it down. And that was the urban distillery, wasn't Correct. it? Correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's cool is they, they that was the original building and the original headquarters of Old Forester. And then they lost it kind of during Prohibition, and they recently bought it back, and they've renovated the whole thing. And so it's super cool to, like, go back to where they started. First bottled bourbon ever. I mean, I mean another, unbelievable another stuff. five, ten years, that, that, that corridor of Louisville is going to be crazy. I know, crazy. I mean, I, it's funny because, you know, people always go on the bourbon trail – but what that's going to add, I mean, it's going to be its own trail almost, oh, or its own extra two days of. Yeah, you, don't, you don't have to. You don't have to go anywhere. You just sit right here in Louisville and do all these things. Right. Not to mention all the distilleries where everybody's been going to for years. I know the only the only other one outside of Whiskey Row that I did was Maker's Mark. But like once you got down there, you didn't have to do anything else. It already is. They call it the Urban Bourbon Trail. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. There's Michter's. There is Old Forester, there's Angels Evan Envy. Williams, Angels Envy. That bar on the top of Michter's is incredible. Dude, like their drinks are unreal. And there's the, those a bartenders. One. Oh, man. It's chocolate and bourbon. Did See, you get the M20? Dude, <laughs> I literally left my house with the hopes of just coming home with an, with an M10. But alas, no, no dice. All I have to say is that if your wonderful wife is listening, I know that you were telling me yesterday while we were talking that you really wanted to take her away for a night to Louisville and take her to the bar at Michter's and take her to maybe a nice hotel like Steel Box or, you know, the Brown and get her away for the she night. She could fill her own bottle, right? Yeah, she could I, fill her own bottle at Michter's. I did say all these things. You also said it would be really nice if her parents would watch the kids for the night <laughs> because they live so close, and then he's going to take you up there, and you all are going to have a nice night in Louisville. I'm, I'm just wondering if it was, you know, in the same fashion that I would have made the same move, which would have been all those things would have been said to snoring. <laughs> and at the end, all right, keep snoring if you agree. Can we get, can we get her on tonight? No! I'm going to do it. <laughs> She'd love it. Anyways, thank you so much. We love having you. When are you going to come down and spend another night with us? Whenever you guys need me, man. Well, it's not even that. Back, do you guarantee to stay awake the whole time? I, hey, see, I was, I was wide awake. He's I talking know. about me. I know. Nobody knew it because you have a very good editor. Nobody knew <laughs> that that I nodded off for a couple minutes. F it, man. It's just a water bottle. It is just a water bottle. <laughs> But let's talk about the moonsaws that Zeke loves In giving. In North Georgia, it's still a moonsaw. It always will be. It's never a moonsaw. It's so funny. Isn't it the well, funniest thing you've ever it's heard? It's super funny. Like, and, and I don't know if it's the difference between 
the southern description of it or like you know me being in, from the midwest and like actually hearing the tea at the end but whatever I, I have never heard that tea in my entire <laughs> 37 years I and just I'm heard not even lying JR says slobber knocker and he also says moonsaw moonsaw we'll have to go back and find some clips at some point we have a friend Alex up in Rhode Island and he just loves it that I keep mentioning Moonsaw every episode. I think it's a new t-shirt. I think it is a new t-shirt. Yeah, we're going to show me doing a Moonsaw on John. <laughs> Wham! It's okay, you bounce off. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, thanks so much. It's not a, do we need you? It's a, we always want you. You are a friend. You, thank you so much for just being a part of the whiskey community. We love having you in here, and I'm happy to call you a friend. I'm happy we got to know you this year, and it's the first of many times we're going to hang out, and we do need to see each other more outside of whiskey events. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. It's been a crazy little summer here, but we're just very happy to know you. So thank, thank yeah, you man. so much for I'm coming. I'm just glad on. to be on. Yeah. Appreciate it. Zeke, you got anything? Just a water bottle, man. What was your favorite food here before you go? Oh, um, is it called the row? The, the, the row, porky the mac and cheese? Mac and cheese. I like that. I went back three times. I'll admit it. He's the reason that Up lost their apricots by eight. No, he said he went to the row. I know, but I'm sure he did that for every single water bottle. The row, I thought the meat was amazing. But the mac was a little lacking behind it. Really? I liked it. But the it. meat was amazing. Oh, I, I got the rib, too, from that you, you highly recommended. <clears throat> so that's oh, my oh, favorite. Wrapped in bacon. It was unbelievable. That oh, was my favorite thing truck. here. Yeah, yeah from Southern Spoon. That was my favorite meal yeah. so far. That one, actually, that may have taken the cake. That was delicious. That up was up and char were kind of tied for two for me. And the row was up there. I did like that mac and cheese. Shane from Honey Fire was really good. Got, you know, we had Shane on. Did you get the rib from Martin's? Oh, yeah. The rib from Martin's was great, too. Uh, I forgot about that for a second. I don't know how, but that rib was awesome. No, that thing was solid. That was really good. Um, there's something else I, I can't think of that I had, but it was, a, it was one of those mixes of flavor like the Honey Fire thing where like you had both sides of the spectrum. But uh, uh, Whatever the guy, I forget who it was, but it was next to Maker's Mark. It was like a cornbread and beans kind of mix. That was awesome. Those beans, unbelievable. The best I've ever had. I was like, I like, I took a bite and I was like, seriously. The pork and the beans was really good. The cornbread, I thought it was a little bit dry for cornbread. But those beans with the pork yeah. were really. He and I were the same way. I was like, the cornbread. Yeah. I'm iffy on, but the beans were some of the best yeah, I've had. Yeah, blew me away. Some white beans. Blew me away. It was so good. I think the food here has been some of the best food I've had at a whiskey event all year. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. You know, you know, you and I were talking earlier and, like, just kind of looking around and walking around trying the different stuff. It's just been one of my favorites. It's been so good. But we're, well, no, we're, honestly, I, I, I think that having a, a central theme probably made it easier on people because nobody oh, overthought it got like too creative and everybody coming like you knew what you're signing up for it's not right, like there's yeah. gonna be food and whiskey well what does food mean corn dogs vegan burger right no it's all bacon bacon oriented yeah anyways speaking of bacon oh i thought you liked bacon. this song and you were gonna jump up and dance and say what's shaking bacon no 
That's that come later? later? That's later. Just for you. Is that going to be live on the Instagrams? No. Instagram it's live. Just for you, Z. Well, John You're, you're going to have to record it because I don't know how to. <laughs> it's only for you. How many times do I have to say that? It's only for you, Z. <laughs> but Tim, thank you. Lisa, thank you for letting us steal him for a couple minutes. And it's hey always guys, good to see both of you. <clears throat> Cheers. Cheers. So I just have to say... I have been keeping this microphone running. I can't wait. We've got up a few times as guests have come and gone, and I've been keeping this microphone running the whole night. Zeke, I can't wait to hear what magic is on when we weren't sitting behind the microphones, but like people were walking by or whatever. I just hope nobody crop dusted them. I'm sure they did. (laughs) But there's no other person. We've talked to a lot of food people tonight. There's no other person that I could imagine closing the night out with than Mr. Four Roses himself, Dan Gardner. (laughs) And this is somebody, and and I said this on the live tonight, Zeke, when I was walking around and and Dan was here. More people come up to me or reach out to me and talk to me about the interview that we did with Dan than any other episode we've done, I think. I mean, I, I think we only scratched the surface, and maybe we didn't even really scratch it. <laughs> but if you want to say, was there a, a history show or a knowledge and a better understanding, that was it. Well, and I will say, I mean, he's sitting right here. I want to let the man talk, but Dan... Thank you for coming on. We've talked about doing another night with you. I think we should do like a whole series where we do like the history of bourbon with Dan Gardner. Because there are nights where you sit there and tell us about how this one was with this one and then it got moved and then it got bought by this one and you have all these history things. I would love to have you on and just say like, tell us a story and then we won't say anything, and we'll, we'll finish in <laughs> well, two hours. you know, actually, I've got an idea. It's probably not feasible, but Four Roses has, you know, ten recipes. Ten different podcasts with Dan? No, no. We do ten hours straight. Each hour is a different recipe that we sip on. I think Dan could do it, too. <laughs> but we're, we're talking Being too straight, much. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm getting old, man. You, I mean, we'd all be kaput afterwards, obviously. It'd be an epic 10 hours. I think oh, you man. have 10 hours of history. Plus, John has to edit that shit. This is golden. <laughs> Look, I, I'll, I'll freely admit, I mean, I, I paid attention to things as I was coming up in the industry. Uh, I've got my recollections of certain things. Uh, I've read a lot. Uh, I've I've done a lot of research and gotten some good timelines from different distilleries. Uh, You know, history can get a little fuzzy, (laughs) particularly in the bourbon industry. So everybody's... So I think I'm pretty accurate on most things. Uh, There might be a a year or two difference. And I'll give you a good example. And I think I said this in our last, in in, in that interview, Uh, people ask, what turned the industry around? Well, I had it in my mind that, of course, Ancient Age slash Buffalo Trace introduced Blanton's in the early 80s. And then I said, 
that Wall Street Journal article came out in the mid-80s. Well, I looked that up. <laughs> and what it was, they didn't interview Bill Samuel. They interviewed Bill Samuel's father in 1980. It was, you looked that, I actually looked that up to make sure that I was right. Well, that's in the 80s. Well, that was 1980. So, but, but it doesn't change the fact that that put makers on, on the map in New York City in 1980. You mean it so, marked them? Well, you know, people ask what... Yes. I got dad jokes for days. Yes. So it's just one of those things that... My, my timing was off by about five years. No, it's okay. But, you know, it's... it's so the, I mean, as far as I know, that's the men, for the course for the 80s. Uh, well, absolutely. <laughs> well, what it did... You know, it put makers at the crossroads. So did that blow the industry up? No. Did Blanton's blow the industry up? Not really. But there were just little, you know, signposts along the road that that it was it was a comeback of the quality in the image of, of bourbon. It's and, like when uh, the New York Times wrote that thing calling Nashville the It City. And that's when Nashville all of a sudden started getting cranes everywhere is you know they they came out with the it city but it's not just the fact that the new york times wrote that article about nashville it's also that the tv show started so it's like it's music a industry it's a it, absolutely it's a combination of mm. the maker's mark article and then some other things going on and kentucky tourism jumping on board and, absolutely you know but you can kind of think of like what is the first catalyst it was probably that article, right? It certainly didn't hurt to put a bourbon at the crossroads of the world that everybody wanted. So bourbon as a whole, it helped the entire image of bourbon. Absolutely. Yeah, regardless of the brand, it, it just it suddenly wasn't you know, in, in bad favor anymore. Absolutely. Well, every top-end bar in New York City had to have it. Had to have, had to have a bourbon. Well, and it's funny because I remember when I went to college, and my parents almost, you know, when I when I would have bourbon, and I told them going to Kentucky and being a native New Englander, but having gone to Kentucky and all the time, my parents would go, "You drink bourbon? I mean, that's a serious drink." And they think of it in a different way than we do down here. And I feel like I've lived here down, you know, I've lived down the South since 2003. So it's not like I'm just like yesterday coming to this conclusion. But I feel like all of us kind of think of bourbon as a, you know, it's a way of life down here. There's all these people. When I was in college, you know, the, the serious drink was when I got a handle of triple A instead of double A. Oh, yeah. And Dad said, damn, son, you must have a little more money this week than I thought you did. You're getting that ancient, ancient age, age. huh? Hey, you paid seventeen ninety nine for that handle. <laughs> if you got that much money, don't come asking me for none. You're in school right and now. And now that you? ancient, ancient age is going for 100 bucks on secondary because you can't find it anywhere. I know I got a couple of them tucked away somewhere. I drank mine. You drank yours? I think I have <laughs> I think I have a bottle and a half left of the ancient ancient age. Well, look, I 
I was fortunate enough to, to work with Booker. You know, we, we weren't great friends. We, you know, I, I knew him. Uh, we, you know, we worked on the launch of that small batch collection and uh, just being around him. And Booker always said, Bourbon's made to drink, not look at. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of even early on, there were people that were starting to collect certain things. And he just never quite understood uh, people collecting and not, not drinking it. Oh, he should talk to your son. That's the other thing about that podcast we did together that everybody loves is that your son oh, my, you know. drank your red wax top Van Winkle rye. It <laughs> wasn't rye, it was bourbon. Was it the bourbon? It was the bourbon. Oh, that was the OG ones. Oh, yeah. It was 14. It was at 1988 when he released that. It was first Van Winkle Reserve, Family Reserve. Two versions of 14 and 16-year-old. Yeah, the label says Family Reserve, and it's the same as what the rye is now. now. But that was man. the original Family Reserve that with that red bourbon. wax seal. So uh, you, uh, OG. <laughs> well, Dan is an OG, but he's awesome. <laughs> we we love Dan. I I think we could talk. I mean, the whole event's ending at this point, but we're still sitting here talking to Dan. Dan. I want to make sure we talk a little bit of Four Roses before we let you go. Okay. Have you had the new limited edition small batch? I know sometimes things can trickle to you a little bit later. Yeah. I tasted it last week, and it's outstanding. And I was telling Zeke this earlier. To me, it, it splits the difference between the 2018 limited edition small batch and the Al Young. <clears throat> now the Al Young to me when you first opened a bottle that 23 year old it, it had a little bit of a dry woody finish which I don't really care for. But I've also said that if you let that drink that bottle down to three-fourths let that sit for a month that Al Young turned into a caramel bomb. Uh, so the 2018 to me was much more caramel for the bourbon. The oldest bourbon in there, I think, was 16 years old. So this 2019 has that 21-year-old. Brent told us what the percentage of the 21 was, and I can't remember if it was 7% or, or, or 3 or 4. But it was a little bit lighter. You still got a little bit of that, what I call dust or tannin to it. But it wasn't as pronounced in my memory, which it's fading quickly. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we figured it wouldn't take much of that to really el- elder rest, you know. Absolutely. 21 years old, those things are typically are just wood bombs. So, but it was lighter, and it was just really, really good. Uh, and I, I'll say this to Brent. I, I wasn't a real big fan of his, I think it was a, his initial. Uh, there was a, it was, I can't remember what the recipes were. I think it was O, and I can't remember what the other one was, what the predominant one. It, it, it never married up to me. So it was a fruit bomb followed by a, a little bit too woody of a finish. So it never married up. The next one he did, was kind of the was married up. I thought it was fabulous. Uh, 
the 2018 to me was just is 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 the best thing that he's done. This is right there with it. Brent is really uh, well. He was there for for the first one, so Brent's only got you know 10 years experience putting these things together. But the 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 Al Young, the 2018 and this 2019 are just spectacular in my mind. I thought this one, you know, from talking to uh, you know Mike Hines are in town and him doing Brent in the background of the tobacco industry. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I felt like this year that that really seemed to tap and hone in to what I would have expected he would have, you know, been part of in that blending process and sequence and the flavors and, and trying to really delicately balance all right, there's some older juice here. Yeah. And you can't tip that scale. It's too much. You, you can't tip it too much. And it, and it won't take more than, a, you know, a, an extra percent. And the ship's damn capsized. Yeah, absolutely. But he seemed to toe the line yeah. on this so well. I, I, I think so. They've just gotten progressively better. Uh, and again... Even the 2016 was pretty damn good. <laughs> uh, and again, that's my recollection of it. I would like to do, uh, I tell you, somebody did a blind tasting here last year and ranked all of those uh, limited edition small batches. And that guy's ranking, I thought, was for my from my perspective was pretty on point i'm gonna have to go back and dig that up i, I should have kept that article was it lauren i uh, know it wasn't lauren this was somebody that's got a blog uh and if if uh anybody out there remembers who it is you know, let john know but i remember reading that article and they did them all blind and i thought that tasting their tasting notes for me were, were pretty spot on it was about the way I would have ranked them. You know, I, I really think and kind of went to that space of, you know, not knowing too long ago that, that, that Brent had the tobacco industry background. Oh, yeah. And, and blending the tobacco. Yeah. I and mean, that was where it kind of came from. And at least in some of the previous releases, I don't think it ever was as apparent. But with this year's, I... It, it's all that just kept popping in my head over and over was simply, this is a very delicate balance Absolutely. of aged materials with some super floral, super sweet notes. And, and you know, it's funny because it comes out in the fall, obviously, but yeah. it, it, it pairs with it. So it's all the crowd pleasers that absolutely hit all the notes everybody wants with the V and the K, and I think... It's got the V is the 21 year, right? OBSV. And 20, then the K is 15. There's a 15 year uh, OESK, a 15 year old OESV, and an 11 year old OESV. Oh, man. But so, it has all the crowd pleaser notes in it that really just everybody's talked about the V runs lately. Spectacular OESVs. Oh, yeah. Spectacular. There have been some extremely good ones this year. Loved I really them. I like how they're uh, 
you know, circling back to that uh, PS run. Just somebody just picked one. The, oh, the, I know. The it, it, it's just now coming back. And yeah. I remember this summer. And I was 11 years old. This summer when we were there, Mandy told me it was coming back on the first pick I was on. I knew I had one coming up in two more weeks. And I just, you know, gave the polite smile and wink of, you think I'll get one in a couple of weeks? <laughs> and you, you know, she it, politely said maybe, but it was a. Uh. It, it was a. It was a. I know you have to ask, but I'm going to say maybe, and you know that maybe means no. No, it, it, it's interesting. That's OESV. It's a lighter lower rye mash bill. V is a lighter yeast strain in terms of flavor. So you you would think that being a, that 21. Uh, older 11, 12, those OESVs have been over 10 years old that that the wood would dominate and maybe I, I, I don't know but it's just the perfect mingling the blend of flavors that, that OESV and is a little lighter again I, I think in as y'all know I think in wine terms so I think in terms of OESV as being Pinot Noir so you've had, if you're a wine drinker, you know that Pinot Noir t- is going to be lighter than Cab, but typically there's a great Pinot. There's still a depth of flavor. There's a steel spine to it. Uh, it's, it, it's, so I look at OESV that same way as, as our Pinot Noir. And, and, you know, there are some spectacular Pinots out there. If you're, I, I'm, I'm a, I drink everything. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're talking to two people that are right there with you. Yeah. So. so that in my mind, that's that's the way I equate it. Uh, they're a little lighter. They're a little more subtle. Uh, but again, as I said earlier, the the, the wild card is is the barrel aging. So. Well, what I wondered, you know, at least in in my time in the space, I I don't. Remember when Four Roses ever kind of hit the pause button on a run and then came back to it. But it seems with this OESVPS run, somebody said, you know, we've let enough of them fly out the door and they were damn good. But let, let's just sit on them for another year, year and a half or two, and then we'll reintroduce them into our single barrel program. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, obviously. Well, no, here, here's what happens. You know, we'll evaluate those bourbons every year. Once they hit eight years of age, we have start evaluating all, all barrels in that batch. Up to eight years of age, we have certain barrels from different warehouses, different tiers. We don't taste every barrel. The batch is about eight fermenters, which is about 200 barrels from what I've been told. So once it gets to eight years of age we'll start tasting those things and if 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 we still think they're getting better we'll leave them we'll leave them there okay so that can definitely happen you get a great run if we think those things are continually improving if there's if there's still if the if the sugar in that barrel hasn't been exhausted because once that happens all it does is it starts drawing out bitter tannins Mm -hmm. and they can go downhill pretty quick if you ever was in one of Jim Rutledge's barrel selections. He always drew a bell curve. So they get 
so that bell curve just they start getting better rapidly and then it kind of top out little short arch there and then once oh, yeah. they start going downhill they they go downhill fast i could see that easily so it, it it's it's the bell curve theory but the re, it, the reintroduction though that that that's been a new thing to me and i, I think or at least from what i can see looking at the boards and in other places folks haven't really fully grasped it yet but yeah they've seen those picks coming and they, yeah. they've seen those new six tiers of ps of everybody that, well shit that was the run we were on two years ago yeah it's back yeah that we is it the hold PM? on we've got a, another run of ps OESVs, <laughs> absolutely and uh and i hate to even mention a, a warehouse because we have never had an internal discussion on a particular warehouse producing superior bourbons what i always say is we have a superior run of distillate that just happens to maybe a few extra barrels congregate in that warehouse. So, you know, your distillate evaluations, which I've never been a part of, but we've got a, I think it's a four-point scale. So every distillate is different. You've got different grain sources. So, it, you know, you have different pHs of the fermenters and back sets and all that. So it's, uh, it, it's none of it. None of it is a straightforward process. It's all very, very different. Every every season, every load of grain that comes in, you're dealing with a a different uh, different ingredient. So uh, it's not the straightforward black and white process that everybody wants wants to believe it is. And then on top of all that, you got to throw the barrel the barrel variation and on top of that so it's a miracle that we get as <laughs> consistent a well, product I, as we do i've, I've laughed honestly because the, the past month or ish i made a you know a conscious effort like all right i got enough sitting here in these cabinets and whatnot let, let, let's try to move through a few of them <laughs> and for roses inevitably was what i had the most of and you know, as I'm digging around and tinkering through them, and you know, finding which one I'm going to drink that night. That's because he puts his willets in a box <laughs> and he doesn't let anybody see him. I put them in a five-gallon Homer bucket with homemade insulation. Thank you. And then he puts them under his house. Dan, I'm not lying to you. They're under his house. It's a controlled temperature environment. <laughs> so he has more four roses out. Oh. But it, I, I worked hard on this storage system. <laughs> if anybody wants to consult me, there's a fee. Yeah. But, oh God. Um, you know, but it, it, it's funny though when you know, so you start pulling through the picks, and you, obviously you look at the recipe, and then you see the recipe and you look at where it was, and then to me, like you see the stores. Yeah. There's a commonality between who picks what and who catches the runs and i'm not saying anything negative to the people that might have been there and might have missed a run but it, it's funny like when especially with you know friends and, and things that take care of you stores you never heard of never seen of aren't in your market and you're like oh well it looks like they picked one from this run and and this run and this run just like this store did and, and you see all that come along. And, and to me, it's, it's just funny. Like, all right, 
I don't know these people from next to nothing, but clearly that you see who's pulling the right picks. You know, the bottom line on it is that good is good, <laughs> and, and you know, that's the commonality. And that's one of the things that I learned early on with Rutledge. Uh, again, I, I'd been in the industry 30 years at that point when I started with Four Roses. And I'd done a few barrel picks, primarily with Wild Turkey. Exclusively, to be quite honest, with Wild Turkey. And that was only three or four for the Shoppers Village uh, stores in Lexington. I'm smart enough to know when to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> so early on with those barrel picks with Rutledge, uh, in my mind, I would pick out the ones that I liked. And one of the things that I noticed very, very early, and everybody typically, I was in the mix of, of those barrels. of, uh, And there would typically be three or four barrels, and we were doing all ten recipes at that time. There were typically three or four barrels that people would always zero in on. And once you get to there, you're talking, you're, you're, you're just talking minutia in, in terms of differences in those barrels in t- between good or bad and typically what and what I always say you're not picking between good and bad is you're picking between stylistic differences and personal personal flavor profile I mean, differences it's even just the day yeah I mean I've, I've, I've been there and, and we've gone back and, and the next day sourced down through you know the, the generosity of Mandy of well where did my number two and three go yeah, and and we've all pulled them in and, and then had them all together and said, I mean, shit. Monday I might have picked this one, absolutely. Tuesday this one and Thursday that one. End of the day, we were any of them bad? Yeah. Um, but something I I, I will ask because I don't think it, we knew or thought about this the last time we got together. So we were uh, fortunate enough to do a. A, a pick with Mandy at Willet. We ended up in the Ricks, and we were talking some. And at some point, she mentioned that Four Roses is now, um, I guess, implementing a ventilation system to the top of all the Ricks. Unaware of that, I'll have no. to ask her. No. Well, if you go back and look at our warehouses, there are two styles of vents on our warehouses. Have y'all ever noticed those? No. We've got the big round giant ones, two or three or four on them. And then the other warehouses just have that centered, I, I don't know the specific term, but it's a, a vent along the ridge. Yeah. So next time you're up there, go look at those things. Okay. Pay attention to the, look at the tops of the warehouses. So there are two styles of vents. So I'm going to assume that the, that the Vents, uh, the big vents are a little more uh, changeable, might have some open and close, but uh, I haven't heard that, but I'm going to have to ask her about it. Oh, so sorry. They, didn't, they, didn't, they, they don't need to ask for my <laughs> approval. <laughs> well, I, it was funny because I, I honestly don't remember how it came up because, you know, we did the pick in the, the upstairs bar, and then we went to the Ricks to tap a few barrels. And, and then they got to talking, and really we were just fortunate enough to be part of the conversation. I mean, at that yeah. point, you're just kind of like yeah. all ears, you know. And she was saying that they were going uh, Rick House by Rick House, 
and adding this new ventilation to the roofs and whatever it was i mean the way I adding kinda, it okay yeah it, it was then those added yeah um it's been so damned hot and and then us, you, yeah. know, you know drew was saying you know even at a one-story rick you will see a marketable difference like within a year he said all those barrels one year from now someone's going to need to be in there and need to taste them because the amount of airflow that you don't realize that that simple vent's going to pull and what that will do to all your barrels. Somebody will need to check them. And it was awesome. You're just being super helpful and just saying like, this is going to change the whole train of thought for how you've aged barrels and, and how you've gone about tasting them and, and you know, that whole time frame of, of when they come to age and maturation. Absolutely. Well, if you just think about it, those barrels are, are, are breathing, you know, their uh, water and alcohols coming off of them. So, you know, I, I like to think in terms of extremes. So you, you take a barrel of, of bourbon and you put it in the Sahara Desert and you and then you put it in a a tropical jungle it's going to dry out faster in the desert yeah. than that than the jungle because you've got a lot more moisture around that barrel holding everything in where we're in a in a desert it's going to suck it dry it it's uh, so changing the airflow is definitely gonna gonna do that if you're opening up that warehouse and, and you're sucking more air in you're, you're sucking out the the water and the alcohol inside that warehouse so it, it, it's yeah it's going to dry out it's going to change it for sure absolutely but it was you know like honestly it was just one of those r- random rare conversations when you're sitting there and you, you see two people on a caliber that were way way above john and i and yeah. like oh wow they're, they're talking about some some next level stuff but i can at least grasp the concept understand what's going on well, um, again, next time you next time you come to our warehouses, look at the tops of a, look look at the tops of our warehouses, and you'll see the two different styles of vent. That the the one you won't notice is the one running right along that center ridge. So it's and the others have these big giant round things vents on them. So they're very very different kinds of vents. So it's going to be interesting to see if they're adding those other big vents to them. At least that was the impression I got. Was yeah. his, you know, from what I understood from Andy talking to Drew was, it was in the process of you know getting all of them to a, a uniform standard, and, and having the same type of ventilation system. Well, that may, you know, that makes sense. Uh, and I'm going to have to see. I'm going to I'm going to pay attention if they're adding those big giant vents there next next time I go down. So, <laughs> but they've always been there. They it's and I don't under. I don't know if they were experimenting originally uh, or, or what, but yeah, come down and pay it. Yeah, look at that. I mean, I'll, I'll happily come come down. You just let you know me and John know when there's a a, a pick available, and we'll we'll show. Okay. And, you know, we'll find a barrel. I promise. <laughs> we'll, we'll put our names on it real big in, in Sharpie ink and eat some uh, tortilla chips. Yeah, I mean, we, we'd probably take two barrels if we could. <laughs> oh man no there. pressure no i know <laughs> on on that note and speaking of no pressure 
I do just want to let you guys know we are getting kicked out of here at this point. Good. Everybody is <laughs> trying to get out of here. I'm sorry. Uh, I let no, Zeke and Dan talk for a minute because I've been trying to break down to allow us to have more time with Dan. Oh, this was the best segment I've had in forever. I know. <laughs> That's what she said. But Dan, I'll come back down. Absolutely. Come back down. We always love let's having plan, you. Let's plan. Let's plan another. It's getting to be quiet season for bourbon, so you can you can come back down sometime this we can, year. We can talk a little goofy history about changes in the industry, and uh, we'll talk about a lot I of love things. It. I love it. Go ahead and drink Four Roses. The, the Four <laughs> Roses limited edition small batch is awesome. I love Select. Uh, Zeke, the folks can find us at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. At Bourbon Dads on Twitter, at Dads Drinking Bourbon on Instagram, Dads Drinking Bourbon on Facebook. Find us on your favorite podcast app, whatever it is, we are on it. Please leave us an open and honest review, just like we leave open and honest reviews about the whiskey we drink. Dan, thank you. My pleasure. Always. Zeke, thank you. Hey, and uh, you know, folks, allocation season's coming up. If you're uh, fortunate enough to be in your store's you know, lottery or number line or whatever the system is, don't sleep on the small batch limited edition this year. Nope. It is unique. And we don't say that because Dan's here. We recorded on it weeks ago. It's going to be a special bird. Events hatched. Thank you so much for letting us come tonight. Uh, Bacon and Barrel, thank you. McCormick Grillmates, Bullet Bourbon, thank you. All the other sponsors, Green Door Gourmet benefiting true green this has been a pleasure that we were a part of this event it's been an honor thank you cheers good night goodbye thank you night